run back into the cave with it to find where it fits. It must fit with that, that which has already been indoctrinated into you. Even if they mush it up and squash it to make it fit. And that's how simple it is. Very old, old technique known thousands of years ago by various priesthoods. Grab the minds of the young and you can create any kind of being you want them to be. However, as I say, we're not simply progressing willy-nilly along some stumbling zigzag road. We're going generation by generation into the mouth of hell. And I'm not exaggerating. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, and simply going through what's on the other side of the mouth of hell, because we're going into it so quickly now, we're actually past the lips, you might say, and we're going down that old deep throat there, and they're progressing so quickly, when you see how fast everything is moving, we're in such flux, such flux of horror really, which is now normal. Torture is normal, everything's normal. And we see the sacrificial lambs being tossed up to the public uh, to sacrifice for the sins of the past, including those at Guantanamo Bay. But they've been through torture and all the rest of it. We uh, set up by the military in a military trial to take the can for supposedly masterminding 9 11 and all that came out of it. And yet people forget because they have no memory. Uh, that not so long ago there were show trials during the Cold War in both Russia and China where they'd have the gang of three and the gang of four who would admit to everything just like George Orwell's 1984. They'd come out and admit publicly in front of thousands of people they'd been out and had prostitutes and let the party down and contracted syphilis and all these ridiculous things and the public would believe it. You'd agree to anything after torture and mind control, and you might even believe it yourself if you were through that. What gets me is the fact that there's no problem today in finding the brutes that do the water torture and the burning and all the other parts of that medieval practice where they used to do it with old ladies before they burned them as witches. Now it's all authorized by a scientifically led establishment of progress. Pretty disgusting. Now I've got uh, I've got Vic from Outlaw here on the the line for his Outlaw. Hello, what's Vic going on, Alan? Yeah, um, you are detailed like no other. You know certain stuff like how the CIA wrote the sixty songs, baby, and walk like a man to disrespect the population. How did you get that? Is that intuition, or do you have an inside source? I I knew it just growing up. Uh, as soon as I heard them, it was so strange and obvious to me. Uh, not just the, the the characters who sang, who were becoming skinnier and skinnier, and that was really the hermaphroditic uh, agenda, of course. But also the what kind of man would sing in a soprano <laughs> and tell his son to follow him. Right. 
Yeah. Just based on what you knew, and then when they came on, you were like, well, the CIA is involved in that. Oh, yeah, the, the whole culture creation business has been led by the nose. Mm. Uh, like everything else in society is led by the nose, by those who control money and power. Uh, even the whole greening project is coming down through corporations, but directed by those with multi-trillions. Uh, it's, it's, it, culture is always promoted from the top, and nothing really is allowed to come out from the bottom uh, because it could upset the whole uh, system that they've created. So they always direct the future, and the only way you can truly create a new structure is to completely demolish the old structure, as the old Freemasons used to say. And the old structure was man, woman, child, uh, family. That was the, the building block for the whole of society. All of that had to be eradicated, right down to even human bonding and emotional bonding uh, was to be eradicated. Now they live for thrills, one thrill after another. And that. that, again, is promulgated through all of the culture and the media industry. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You inspire people to spread this information, but if you're successful at doing so, you say they're going to kill you. So it's kind of a contradictory scenario you're presenting now. It is. It is. However, like we're, we're at a stage now where, where we have no choice. We're going down the tubes fast anyway. <laughs> and we can tell that they're building up for a period of pandemics that they will release themselves and we're going to die off regardless. That's one thing when you realize you're going to die one day anyway. Yeah. Uh, you as well as doing something useful with your life and especially uh, there's no greater task in life than combating utter evil. Valor. Yeah. Uh, why do they let you live, do you think? Because they got Cooper, they framed Springmire, you must have some kind of security. I think really it's just the fact that if I stay on the basic facts you don't have to go off into fantasy and adapt it to people who wear crocodile shoes. Uh, you can simply use the facts as they have published them themselves. And legally, they're, they're very legalistic at the top, you understand. But I mean, you said they already tried to intimidate you and they dropped whatever down your chimney. Why is it they're not successful in doing whatever? Because it seems like if they want to get something done, they get it yeah. done. Yeah, well, either that, I've got some power they don't know about, or even perhaps I'm not sure about myself. There you go. No, so I, 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 think, uh, I think there's more to all of this than just what meets the eye. In fact, I know there is. Uh, but um, that's not too popular these days. Interesting. Um, do you have any advice about how one can escape? Specifically, I heard you tell people you can't give away all the places, but some of us need a little assistance because everybody around us, they don't believe us and whatnot, so it's very difficult. The only thing you can really do, I mean, some people write to me and say, um, I want to go somewhere where there's medical practitioners and I want dentists and I tell them to stay where they are. Uh, right. The best thing to do is to look for certain third world countries. It's not hard to see where the development is taking place, where it's scheduled to take place and where it will eventually catch up to where we well, are. With our me. I think I heard you say maybe Spain or northern India. Yeah, the, the, those places that will be the last for them to reach okay. and they don't have uh, the great plans for them that they do here. Um, because everyone, everywhere else is going to be a living, an utter living hell. I know. Yeah, but I'm not kidding about the hell part. I mean, this is hell. And I was looking through, let's see, racking my brains to try and describe this thing even to myself and its, its completeness of power. And sure enough, I know that the money boys are the economics uh, brains behind it because the economics is not the stuff they're taught at school at the bottom level. It's not basic uh, accounting like Scrooge's employees with bookkeeping and balancing the books. True economics is to do with value.
vast amounts of time and debt and how many generations it will take off to pay this part of the debt. Uh, how, much, uh, how many people do you plan to have alive in the future to pay off a debt? And all of that kind of stuff, long-term planning. And it has to go hand-in-glove with uh, all the other sciences, especially sociology and anthropology. Uh, that's why the big boys pump so much money into these particular fields to study human behavior and different cultures. Look at the common things they, they all have in common and then say these are the prime things to motivate. You can then use those drives that are instinctive to people and overload them and push them to the maximum and then you control the people, whether it's sex, food or everything or anything else. That's why they pump so much money into studying peoples. And you should look into these particular sciences and look into who does fund them. You'll be astonished. It's the same old groups of foundations, uh, you know, the benevolent ones, the ones who are philanthropic in their designs for humanity, as they say. It's also tied in with all royal different kinds of institutes and chartered societies from royalty. And the bankers, of course, are always involved in it all. But that's how they, they, they work with us. Because we're all mammals, and we're all born into a system that we adapt into, especially it's easy to happen when your parents don't know. They're already in flux. Their generation was under attack to destroy the old, and so you allow more and more debauchery with each one, and the youngsters think that debauchery is normal. In fact, they're taught at school it's normal. And that guarantees they have no ability to bond for any length of time. When you're not bonded to anyone and you do grow out of the teenage years, very important. See, teenagers are a group of people. They're not individuals yet. They think they are. They're taught that they are. But they're, they're, they want to belong to the big group. Once they're comp competing in the world, uh, they start to develop their individuality and a little bit of maturity and wisdom. But up until then, they belong to the big group. So they're easy to manipulate and they accept everything that is is some kind of paradise, especially when nowadays when you can satiate any sense that you wish and it's all free. But we pay for everything, as I said at the beginning of the show, and we'll pay big time for what's coming up in the very near future when when the page, the actual the bill for all this comes in. Now the United Nations was set up again as this big blue organization, the Blue Lodge, you know, out in the open, supposedly, uh, to, to help people to stop fighting each other, supposedly, at least to the public. But if you go into their books when they set it up, you'll find that they set it up to be a world government, to take over, and not just to be a government, an independent government, or, or even interwoven with the public. It was to be a sort of dominator factor because it's not run on democracy at all. It would be run on the sciences. The science is based on evolution. And again, funded by the big boys, the control of the economic system. The United Nations said that China is to be the model state for the world to copy, to follow, to emulate. Modern China. And this is a, an article going back to August the 11th, 2007, from the Old Thinker News. Now, this is your model for the world, right? 
China to issue RFID embedded ID cards contains your work history, your religion, police record, reproductive history. It's all to be tracked by Daniel Taylor. It was reported initially in the New York Times. And I'll be back to read more of this after the following messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix just showing you uh, this particular part of the agenda the, what's happening in China the whole agenda being promoted of course by the United Nations and the big money to powers that run the United Nations and put all the top guys in their positions just like they do with politicians and everything else across the world and this is from the, the Old Thinker News, August 11, 2007, Daniel Taylor. It says China is set to begin issuing computerized RFID-enabled identification cards to 12.4 million people in the city of Shenzhen. That's coming to a place near you. Uh, data on the chip will include not just the citizen's name and address, but also work history, educational background, religion, ethnicity, police record, medical insurance status, and landlord's phone number. Even personal reproductive history will be included for enforcement of China's controversial one-child policy. Plans are being studied to add credit histories, subway travel, travel payments, and small purchases charged to the card. In 2006, China's Ministry of Public Security, see they have a Ministry of Public Security, just like safety, same thing, announced plans to issue 1.3 billion cars utilizing RFID technology. The Vice President for Investor Relations at China Public Security Technology, Michael Lin, states that if they do not get the permanent card, they cannot live here. They cannot get government benefits, and that is a way for the government to control the population in the future. And that's right out of... What Bertrand Russell talked about back in the 40s and 50s when he said that eventually the public will be issued forms of credits. And if you don't toe the line, if you're socially inappropriate, they'll withdraw your credits and you can't pay your rent or buy food and all the rest of it. So here you are. The card, of course, is the technique that's to bring all of this in. And this card is the same as everyone else's card, British, um, US, Canadian. It's all the same. Same companies that make them. And there's room in them uh, for all of your purchases in the near future. That's going to be your bank card as well. To continue with this article, the New York Times also quotes Robert Huang, the chief operating officer of China Public Security, as stating, we have a very good relationship with U.S. companies like IBM, Cisco, HP, Dell. All of these U.S. companies work with us to build our system together right off a PR uh, little logo there, obviously. Similar statements to those coming from China, public security, have come from Britain and the United States regarding plans to issue RFID-enabled cards in the two countries, as the UK Daily Mail reports. James Hall, the official in charge of the supposedly voluntary scheme, <laughs> oh boy, I love how they do it, 
said the government would allow people to opt out, but in return they must forego the ability to have a travel document. You see, you won't be able to work either. And that's the other big stick. You're coerced into this. It's, as they always do, it's done by coercion. The Real ID Act signed into law in 2005 in the United States is a voluntary program, voluntary, in which states will follow federal standards on driver's licenses. If individuals choose not to accept the card, they lose the ability to board a plane, open a bank account, or enter a federal building. <laughs> Biometric information such as fingerprints and retinal scans are required on the cards. Also included in the Real ID legislation is a requirement for machine-readable technology. While RFID is not specifically mentioned, the trend is toward the use of the technology, as American passports have recently RFID-enabled homeland security has warned states not to reject the voluntary cards. So here's a homeland security warning the states. How can you warn something that's supposed to be voluntary? Hmm? Here's the big stick, big blackmail. Computer World reports, despite the criticism, the DHS continues to insist that the law be implemented on schedule. I think residents of states that choose not to comply are going to be displeased with their leadership's decision when we get closer to full implementation, a DHS spokesman said. They'll no longer be able to do certain things that carriers of state-issued driver's licenses take for granted today. You won't be able to even travel. You see what all this is coming down to. And meanwhile, Hollywood and that awful thing they call the news media as you're concentrating on utter trivia and what's happening with the bimbos in Hollywood and their little love lives. It's astounding. Astounding that people will be attracted to a little scandal of sex as though nothing in the planet had had sex before. The, the insects do it without getting taught. Everything's having sex, but no, we're focused in on some little situation in Hollywood. Well, this kind of stuff is rammed down our throats and will be enforced by boys in black uniforms with all kinds of fancy scientific gadgets to electrocute you, blind you, to torture you, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the stuff they've grown up watching on television uh, that the winners, the winners use on the guys in black uniforms, the winning types. That's where they want to be. Now they are. They have that power. But we're concentrating on utter, utter trivia. How it mind control is fascinating. You know, I was thinking about the old stuff that they used to do with the rats, sticking wires in their brains into the, the area where uh, the sexual sensations all occur, the limbic system. And how eventually the rat would even eat. It would continue pulling that lever for stimulation, constant masturbation as it was dying. It wouldn't even eat or drink water. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hey folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the Matrix. Just going through some of the wonderful horror stories that are, have been out there and are still out there. As we rush on towards this road of progress this pre-planned hell 
that there's going to be a small group's utopia. We'll all be in hell at the bottom. At the moment, we don't know where we're in it. We think we've never had it so good with all this credit and entertainment. So there's more entertainment filling the minds of the general public probably 90% of the time than anything of a, a fact. There's no fact in their minds anymore. They live in daydream entertainment all day long, every day. And that's what they talk about. And entertainment itself is nothing but predictive programming. And as Plato pretty well said, monkey see, monkey do. We mimic what we see. We mimic the behavior, the fashions. We adjust to the new neologisms they throw out there, the new words. And we part them too. Monkey see, monkey do. Old techniques of culture control. And why change it when it works so well? Now we've got Tim from Indiana on the line. Are you there, Tim? Yes, I'm here, man. Yep. Hey, I just want to thank you, man, for everything you do. Um, about uh, about your books, and just like you said, I mean, they're like no, they're not like normal books. I mean, you, they really get you thinking about a lot of things and get you seeing some stuff. But um, tonight, uh, I, I just want to call in. Uh, there's a couple observations that I noticed like the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not into politics. I think the caller a couple weeks ago said that he's done voting, and I think I am too, based on just all the, the rhetoric that goes on with things. But I was watching uh, TV, and um, Obama, uh, uh, he's got this logo, and um, it's just funny because it's like a, a, it looks like a, a giant O cut in half, yeah. and it's based over, like, American American uh, like the flag, the end of the flag. But if you look at it, it looks like a, a a giant eye, you know, coming over the Americans or whatever. But it's just funny. I just saw it. I was like, man, that's that's just so blatant. If you can see it, you know, and yeah, and it's something and all this little signs of change, change, change. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the logo now, of course, the, the logo has been pushing for a while, even in all the ads for years now, is change is good, change is good. And they don't explain to you what kind of change they're talking about. They're just getting you to parrot change is good. And that's the main logo because we're not supposed to think about what changes and what will be the consequences of particular changes. We're simply being created. They're creating a flux in culture because they're on a roll now. We're in flux. We're fluid. And when we're fluid, we're not looking towards any particular ending. Personally, at the bottom, the ones at the top can rush ahead all the faster and that's why even a building today in a small town will probably last five years, ten years, or knock it down. They don't want you growing up with familiar places. They want to constantly changing so you have nothing to identify with. And that creates a form of disassociation in your mind as well understood at the top. Yeah, that's, that's something. All right, well, yesterday it was weird. Um, my fiance, we, we were driving down the road, or we went up and we were just driving in the morning, and... Like, I've noticed, like, a lot of spraying, like, the last maybe two, two, you know, two or three weeks. Just notice it. Yeah. Yesterday, there was, like, nothing out there, like, the entire day, like, the entire day. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a buddy of mine at work, and he's he's kind of aware of things, too. I could talk to him about some things. And I told him about that yesterday, and he went on break today. He went outside. He says, well, they started back up again. There's six, six, six trails a day. I'm like, dang, man, yeah. I just thought, thought yeah. we had a break. I thought we were done. But, you know, That's right. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be the case, so. And what you should notice, too, and what you should watch for is uh, mood changes when the spring is going on and when it's, there's a break, because you'll find people get very nervous and agitated 
during the break, and I think it's because there's a tranquilizer also in the spray. It's not just metallic particles for weather control. It's, it's got many purposes, this, and these guys always get the most for their buck. And I think uh, as you go through withdrawal, when they stop spraying for a few days, people are getting agitated. They start spraying again, your blood level comes up, the dose comes up in your blood, the maintenance dose, and you're back to feeling lethargic and calm. Yeah, I was kind of, yeah, on edge a little bit. And um, But anyway, I just noticed that. I just wanted to get those two little two points out there for you, and I'll just let somebody else get in because I know a lot of people out there were listening. So. Yeah, thank, thank thanks for calling. All right, buddy, thanks. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so much is going on as we live in Ozland, the Wizard of Ozland. And I was, just, I was talking about China as a model state. We should take this very seriously because they're not kidding when they tell us this. They're, these guys don't kid. They don't kid us on when they, when they make these big proclamations that China would be the, uh, the perfect model for the rest of the world to emulate. And this is from the Epoch Times. Uh, this is from, I think this particular date was, let me see, February the 9th, 2008. This is Human Rights Crisis, Organ Transplantation and Organ Trafficking by an Anna Lita, PhD. And it says, um, uh, Harry Wu, Executive Director of the Leo Gay Research Foundation with Mr. X, who is keeping his identity secret to testify before the U.S. House of Representatives, International Relations Committee, and Government Reform and Oversight Committee in 1998. That's when he first came, came across Mr. X is a former Chinese prison official who witnessed the harvesting of organs from dead prisoners, testified on the sale of body parts by the People's Republic of China. And it says, <clears throat> progress in medical science and technology has contributed to the growth of kidney and other organ transplantations around the world. Nevertheless, the gap between the supply and demand for transplantable organs continues to widen. In Europe, for example, the average waiting time for transplantation is about three years and is expected to lengthen to 10 years by 2010, with 120,000 patients on chronic dialysis and 40,000 patients waiting in line for a kidney. In Western Europe alone, about 15 to 30% of these patients will, annual, will die because of organ stroke shortages. It says many patients engage in organ trafficking as a solution. Various criminals and other individuals have recognized organ shortages as an easy opportunity to pressure people from countries living in poverty into selling their organs. The potential for large profits underpins their interest. Sellers of kidneys are paid approximately two and a half to three thousand dollars, while recipients pay anywhere from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars for that same kidney. On December the eleventh, two thousand and seven, the HEU, a pig nanny center for bioethics co-sponsored by the UN Office of Special Advisor on gender issues <laughs> and advancement of women uh, and the Council of Europe convened an expert panel discussion intersecting human rights crisis, organ transplantation and organ trafficking. During the discussion, various ethical, medical, social and legal questions were raised. Speakers included representatives from the UN, the Council of Europe, the Bioethics Center at the University of Pennsylvania, Department of Transplant Surgery at New York University, as well as the Westchester Medical Department of Surgery and Transplantation. 
Those in attendance include journalists, students, professors, physicians and interested others. I wonder who the interested others would be. Organ trafficking and organ markets were discussed at length. Professor Art Kaplan of the University of Pennsylvania made the point that Falun Gong group has long worried this is a religion in China, uh, that its practitioners in prisons or labor camps in China have been being used as organ sources for rich transplant patients, domestic or foreign. An audience member talked about an independent investigation report from two Canadians, a former member of Canadian Parliament, David Kilgour, and a human rights attorney, David Mattis, on their findings on the allegation of Falun Gong practitioners being killed for their organs. These organs have been offered for transplantation to people who have been desperately seeking suitable organs and ready to buy. In the report, the two Canadians present the 33 kinds of evidence they have gathered so far, including various documents, witness testimonies, and hospital phone calls in which Chinese hospitals admittedly acknowledged organs from Falun Gong practitioners were available. This is right from the hospital. You can phone in and they'll tell you. More, hospi- more information of this specific issue can be found on www.davidkilgour.com. Rachel Mayanja, UN Special Advisor on Gender Issues and Advancement of Women, highlighted the critical importance of poverty to traffic, organ trafficking in her introductory remarks. The problem is, you see, this has gone further than that. I've just rounded up another gang in India with a doctor who also lived in Canada, and they were kidnapping people, uh, low-class labor types, uh, no education, offering them jobs, and if they came for their work, they'd kidnap them, take them off to houses in the jungle, and take a kidney out of them, and then threaten them uh, with death if they disclosed it to anyone else. And all these guys are starting to come forward now, and they've identified what they thought was one of the ringleaders. What you're seeing is the it's, it's a horror show. That once humanity and human beings are dethroned from a position of being a sacred, you see, sacred, that's the only reason we used to punish people who killed people, who murdered people, because it was a big no-no, big, big no-no. That gave us all some protection, even from your own government to an extent. You had to go through all kinds of loops and hurdles if they wanted to kill you. And it's all been knocked down again with moral relativity. What is life after all? What's a human being? You're just another animal. One of many animals on the planet, and you don't have any more rights or less. Actually, we have less rights than the rest of other animals. They have protection rights. We don't even have that under the Earth Charter. So we've plummeted, plummeted, like Prometheus falling from very high places. And it's all been championed by front groups, non-governmental organizations, that are paid for promoting radical change. That's the key term they use in order to get a grant from the very government which they end up lobbying. This is all rigged, folks. Nothing happens by chance. And these non-governmental organizations are paid big, big money, big money, in order uh, to, to lobby your governments who then come forward and say, well, the people have spoken, we're passing this law or that law. Uh, It's so disgusting to watch this going on all the time. And I know this for a fact, even in the music industry, because I was asked to play in a club once, and it was in Toronto, and it was called the Trojan Horse, and I went in there, 
And I sang a couple of songs, and he said, can't you sing something more radical than that? And I said, well, what do you mean by radical? Revolutionary, they said. We get paid. We get paid by the government to help radicalize society. And the same old groups were there, all the different factions supposedly representing women and, and every other things in between. That's how it's done. They're paid to lobby their own government by the government because we're living through an incredible agenda. Now, is uh, Vince from Montana there? Hello? Fantastic, Joe. Yes, okay. Your, your show's fantastic, and I really enjoy listening to it. I, I learn something every time. Uh, your topic tonight seems to be talking about change and changes that they want to implement. Yep. And I think that one of the big changes coming up is, is a challenge to the right of the people to keep and bear firearms. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing they have to get out of the way before they can proceed any further. Mm -hmm. This case yeah, well, they've said that for years, that even the Communist Party, as, as far back as the, uh, the mid-20s, 1920s, said that for America to be ultimately conquered, they'd have to completely disarm it. But you do know that written into the into the United Nations Charter on complete and permanent disarmament in a peaceful world, that includes, of course, all civilians. And the U.S. signed that. You know that? Yes, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but this case is coming up with the District of Columbia. I'm telling you, I, I, I've been doing my research hard on this. And this is a, a, is a real ruse that's coming down the pipeline. Everybody better be ready for this one because... The District of Columbia is under a completely different set of laws. It is not a state, and it is not under the Constitution. Yeah. But they have, if you look in the official code, if you go out to the District of Columbia, and they, call, they actually call it the State of New Columbia. That's the official name. Mm -hmm. And if you look under the official code for the District of Columbia, you'll see that there is a Constitution embedded within their law code. They have their own separate constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, in that constitution, they have what looks like a Second Amendment right embedded that's identical to the one that's in the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. But there's also, if you look a little further, there is a Division 8 General Laws Title 49 military, and it, it says the Quartermaster General of the Militia shall provide by rental or otherwise such armories for the National Guard as may be allowed or directed by the commanding officer. He shall provide for each organization such lockers, closets, gun racks, cases, and desks necessary for the care, preservation, safekeeping of the arms, equipments, uniform records, and other militia property in their possession. Yeah. So in other words, they have, they have this illusion in here that they have a Second Amendment in, in the D.C. Constitution, which is not part of the U.S. Constitution. Yep. And then they have a separate provision in there for the keeping of arms by the quartermaster. Yeah, that's right. Now, the court is going to rule on this case in D.C., and they're going to use this as a, as a smoke and mirrors to infer this onto the general ignorant population if they make a ruling about the D.C. Constitution, which has separate provision for the militia to store their arms, mm -hmm. that can't be inferred over to the several states. So yeah, that's, that's obvious. But, but you know the intent anyway, and you know the fact that they've been building up for a, 
an armed conflict with all of the general public for about 20 years now. They've been building up internal forces, which are really just the same as occupational forces to take care of major strife, which they predict is going to come when they start to make us uh, pay more through the nose for everything, and they bring what's left of this um, service economy down, uh, down the tubes. Oh, as long as they keep the bread and circuses rolling, I don't think anything's going to get the, the dead, brain-dead American people off their butt. I only think they're afraid of two things. I think they're afraid of the upheaval that they saw in the late 60s from the military draft. You're, you're right. You're right with that. You're right with the fact that even those boys who are in right now uh, were young guys, young advisors and, and, and civil servants in that time. Uh, Rumsfeld and all these characters and the perils were all involved with that era. And they vowed then that never again would the, pu- the public um, uh, start having protests and demonstrations about any war, which they, they objected to. And so they, you're right about that part of it. They, they plan massive strategies to take care of that. Well, that, but that, they've taken out the, the self-preservation element by eliminating the draft and going to other forms of, you know, sub- sub- prescription there. Yeah. The other thing that they're very afraid of is what will happen when with the general rebellion that will happen at the end of the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, this is really the last amendment that hasn't been challenged yet. Oh, it's they're been challenged. It's been challenged. It's just that they, they haven't quite got it through yet. Yeah. This is the big one coming down the pike. Yeah. Okay, thanks for calling. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and cutting through this rather bizarre, but planned, a very, very well intellectually planned matrix that we're born into, and trying to at least show some people the path through it, and hopefully out of it. I've got Robert from Canada on the line, are you there, Robert? Yes, Alan, how are you? Not so bad. Oh, that's good. Uh, just a couple quick questions here, Alan. Uh, just wondering what you think... Uh, what is it about the New Age or uh, Native religions, Celtic religions uh, that are catching people's ears and eyes these days and just kind of luring people in? Uh-huh. Well, that was a plan, again, to, to bring in the New Age. The New Age is really, um, for the public, that is, is the rehashed very old religions. Now, look at all these old religions. One of the New Age really is based on a form of Hinduism. Uh, you take the Indian culture, uh, they even go back and try the Druidism, they've, they've brought all that up again, and have, they've got very little to go to, so they copy Tacitus's little statements about it. However, um, look at all those countries, they were all conquered. They were all conquered and put into slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be the first warning about the New Age. The New Age, doesn't matter how, what name it goes under, Transcendental Meditation, there's a whole bunch of names, a thousand names of ISIS, that's what they used to call it in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it tells you one thing mainly, apart from channeling your, your little demon into you, it also uh, gets you to, to look away from everything uh, that's unpleasant. Now, if you don't look at the unpleasant, you are dead meat, because that's your survival and preservation instincts that go down the drain, and that's what they want to happen. Uh, and so you're, you're taught to look at the happy, 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 good stuff, like a child, uh, a friend of Peter Pan, with the Peter Pan syndrome, you don't want to grow up 
and somehow some big omnipotent daddy will take care of all the bad problems for you. And that's what it's primarily intended to do. It's a form of creating a, a disassociative state uh, where uh, the real things in life don't matter anymore and you're easily managed. It's a form of uh, very good, very effective mind control under the guise of freeing you, it enslaves you. And as I say, look at all the religions that they've taken it from. Each one happened to be conquered totally and enslaved in the past. Okay. Also, just one more thing. I just wanted to comment on one of your uh, blurbs from last year. Uh, you spoke about uh, how, uh, you know, like we, we can see, say, psychopathic te- tendencies in some of them, you know, politicians and leaders and scientists and whatnot. But uh, uh, you, you mentioned last year how we should uh, look within ourselves, too, and see uh, how different things that we do to other people in, yeah. in our relationship with people in society um, and uh, just look inward and see uh, if we're doing some of the same things that, that we point out in uh, some of the politicians and whatnot. Well, that's true. You see, the, the psychopaths are on the top. The book Ponderology is excellent on that. Uh, it's really just the, the, the question of evil. And and uh, they give us the psychopaths give the public promote to the public a psychopathic culture. So even if you're not a psychopath, you certainly will adopt a lot of their traits. And except perhaps the final kill, you can become cruel to each other. Uh, you can manipulate each other. You're out for yourself, a doggy dog system. But the psychopath himself will go the whole way, including mass slaughter, if need be, to to achieve his goal of power. Um, so we adopt a psychopathic culture, and we have to be very, very careful that we don't start doing the same thing within our own uh, circle of friends or relatives and start to manipulate them for our own ends. Okay, well, thank you, Al. Thanks for calling. Well, that's the music coming in. And uh, for Hamish myself, up here in Ontario, Canada, where the temperature is plummeting, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs> 